Hi everyone, it's Elise. Um, content warnings for this episode are uh, slavery mentions, Final Fantasy XIV spoilers, and mentions of body mutilation and blood. Um, uh, only real thing to add is I am doing a charity stream the day after this comes out. I'm going to be raising money for Brown Hope over at twitch.tv slash arp1303. I'm going to be playing some Pokemon Infinite Fusions. It's going to be great. I hope to see you there, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Bye. Hi, everyone. Anyway, I'm not Nick. I'm Elise. Hi. And I'm Infilia, back from back from the dead following COVID. Hooray, you did not die. Yay. You showed COVID what for? Uh, no, I didn't. You tolerated COVID what for? Yes. That. Yes. I lived. Weird. You survived. I lived and uh, I lived and hopefully I won't get long COVID. You lived and you will continue to live. If you know what's good for you, fist shake. <laughs> if you die, I'm going to be so upset. Damn. No, but really, I hope you don't die. I would be very upset. Me and many other people. All three of them. Anyway. Hey, no, none of that. You were beloved by many. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, we promised it. You, you know what? Obviously. I am here. Minfilia is here. Clearly, that means we're going to continue Bleach, right? Yes, and so next up, uh, next on Bleach, we're on hiatus. Yes, so because <laughs> if you know your Bleach, we are at the castle, we're about to infiltrate the castle, and in true Bleach fashion, we're going to talk about something else instead. Yep. Uh, we are going to talk about that uh, to my ideas of turning that tabletop uh, world into a book, which I've written a few scenes for. Um, so, I'm not quite sure where to start. So, Minfilia, why don't you ask a question? Yeah, um, so to preface, the reason why I'm here to talk about this topic is because I, too, am dabbling, dabbling at writing stories or novels. I'm writing four currently mm -hmm. because no one else will make the lesbian wusha stories so i have to do it myself mm -hmm. um so um I, I guess trying to think of a good way to bring like my like you know this idea volleyball of you know of writing things so I guess it, so. I guess to get us started off, you mentioned you've written a few scenes. What sort of scenes have you written? Because I tend to work. I myself work from like, I come up with scenes, and as as once I have my key scenes, I can I start work thinking of like how to connect those. So what sort of scenes have you been thinking of? And okay, writing? so the the first that I I've written kind of takes place towards the start. And a lot of things have changed, especially in the start, because in the tabletop campaign, the main characters come out from the portal or whatever, and they find themselves so many years in the future. Book cuts out the entire first chunk. None of the stuff in the past, all in the present tense. Well, present of the thing. So the story starts with um, these people are in a caravan, and as the store, as the start of the story goes on, it is revealed. More and more that a lot of the people in the caravan, I believe there's five. Yeah, there's five people in the caravan who are like the most like elite to the extreme imaginable. Like these are people who that like are coming from their own end game book series. Mm -hmm. Um. And so there is a uh, 
There's a priest who has like a direct connection to a god, which is unusual in the setting. There is a guy in a world where like the most basic of guns are being developed has a working revolver that he built himself. There is Okay, so one of the changes to the uh, magic system, because th this will be important in a sec, one of the changes to the magic system is because it keeps the whole magic developed weird on this world thing, um, the, what, how we would associate magic, uh, people who would use magic is a little different. Um, so... Wizards, the stereotypical wizard folk, um, in order to help themselves shape their magic, magic use a runic system. They make symbols, um, and one of the ways they help is they would tattoo lines on themselves, which, so when they need to cast magic, they position themselves in a certain way to complete runes, which would help them channel the magic to cast the spell, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm following. So, if you've ever seen, like, Avatar or shit like that, the wizards would have that kind of very martial arts kata kind of way of casting, I guess. I don't really know how to describe it. Uh, I get what you mean. Yeah. And so, there would be a wizardly scholarly person who doesn't need the the tattoos to cast magic easily she just is so inherently talented that she can just cast magic which in a lot of settings that's not a big deal in this setting that's kind of a big deal I'm seeing um, some shades of full metal alchemist in this idea as well kind of yeah yeah yeah, I guess that is a good uh, example. Um, so there's her. Um, let's see, there's the so there is a bard who um, is able to speak the words of creation. Um, so like they we're can... doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, they are semi uh, genre savvy, and they know that they're like in an epic and so they're trying to kind of shape how things go down um a lot of the first part of the book is kind of tilted at making the reader think oh the bard is the villain for some reason because they're the ones who have arranged for all of this to happen and they have some sort of plot and everything is moving towards war, so this must benefit them in some way. Though, by the midpoint, it becomes more clear that the Bard is arranging everything because they can't stop the war. But if they can get these people in these positions, they can blunt the war. It won't be nearly as bad. Like, if the Bard can get the Priest into the Pearl... They can prevent the Pearl from making the Doomsday Weapon. And if they can get the Mechanist guy into the Mechanist Guild, he can revolutionize, like, he can cause, like, an industrial revolution, which will help bring an end to the war because the machinery and shit that they supply will be so much more effective, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, they, they can speak the words of creation. They can cast magic in a way that's like unprecedented. Um, but it's very limited in scope. Like they can make things that ha like that can do a lot. It can't stop a person from trying to bash your head in kind of stuff. Uh, kind of giving me, um, it's kind of giving that's giving me like vibes of like um how uh in um like sami tradition like shamanistic traditions like many songs many songs were spells mm -hmm. like so you know you and they will they could influence things but you know there's limits to it 
and it's very specific. But the whole concept of like singing a spell, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's exactly it. Is the their spells through song, and then yeah. Also, this bard's whole motivation is reminding me of some of, of a character, and I hate them because of it. What character? Orianja. From? 14. Oh! Oh, no! He's, he's reminding me of it. I'm gritting my teeth here. In what way? When does Orianja ever do that? Oh, when when does he where, be sketchy and work behind everyone's back to get people into positions he thinks they should be in. Okay, he does that once. Jester's at my name tag. <laughs> I know. God, he really should have. I. Okay, brief aside. Aranje should have died instead of uh, Moonbrother, but she should have been an actual traitor. It would have worked so much better if he had died and then during the after credit scenes, either he or she was talking to the Asians and was just like, ha, ah, they do not realize that I am within their midst. But... <sighs> God, he's so... I God, he's so boring up until Shadowbringers. And then they're like, oh yeah, we should give him a personality. And also make him hot. Anyways, uh, it would also end up that the bard is the rival and the thieves' guild thing, and that they are there. That once once everything goes wrong, they're like, "Well, better go back to ruling the shadows." Wait, while why are all my dudes dead? What the fuck? Um, and then the last person is the captain, who is. Okay, this is going to take a bit more um, description because the captain's based off an old D and D character I played. I know, gasp and surprise. Shocking, really. Uh, whose backstory is that they were part of, or he was part of a uh, a tribe who kind of lived isolated from everybody else, and then one day. Uh, these merchants show up and are like, hey, if you agree to enter into a trade contract with us, we can bring you, like, you are an untapped market. We can sell all of the stuff that's unique to this area and to you for lots of money. We can give you all of this money. We will bring you so much cool shit from the world. Like, you're isolated you have no idea how cool the world is right now. And the captain helps convince everybody, hey, like, we'll, we we should take this deal. Like, th- there's a whole wide world out there for us to, like, explore and experience. And this is a great way for, like, me and the rest of the youth to, like, make something of ourselves. And so they convince a lot of the youths to go along with him into the world. And the tribe's like, okay, we'll we'll trade with you. Um, and then the merchants are like, okay, um, so we'll take the youths that want to come with us. And we'll all, you know, head out into the world. Uh, and then, like, three days away, uh, whoops, all those tribal members just got enslaved. And fine print, uh... The tribe is now stuck trading with this group of people because they have a uh, a contract that says if they don't, uh, the enslaved youths can never go back home. Whoops. Whoopsie doodle. Uh, and so they get pressed into becoming soldiers to fight in these... Like minor skirmishes down on the surface, um, and later it would be revealed that oh, the captain had a twin brother, uh, who died in all the fighting, who has the same name as the captain. Oh, whoops! The captain is a trans man. 
and uh, after a fight where everyone was supposed to die, the captain didn't. So the captain has taken on his brother's identity and is now trying to like hunt down the merchants who did all of this and kill them because holy shit as you do as one does uh which obviously makes him a very good match for joining uh the emerald because that's the emerald's entire thing they hunt down and kill tyrants and slavers and shit and this these people are tyrannical slavers kismet boy it's like boy do i have a personal vendetta that lines up perfectly with this So, um, and then, even further down the line, uh, the reader would discover, oh, so the captain did in fact die in that battle, but their god invested half of their divinity in the captain, and the other half of uh, the bard's plan is they have already manipulated the other half of uh, that god's divinity into the emerald into another person so if the two of those two people should meet and you know like shake hands that would revive this god and you know what's a really good way to stop a holy war bringing in a god to be like hey stop it Ah, yes, prevent a disaster through a manipulative, through pulling strings behind the scenes to cause a divine intervention. I wonder why was this reminding me of anything? Hey! I did not base this character off of your own Jay. It's a coincidence, uh, I promise. Like, no, legit, I did not base this off your own Jay. Fucking uh, Frenchie, just... as I call him, because I never remember his name. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just like, wow, this sure is reminding me of things. This, My and, and the fact that it's a co- entirely a coincidence is just like, wow, rude. I am now looking around for a French elf manipulating me. <laughs> oh, you don't have it. You have nothing to worry about. I, on the other hand, hmm. Hmm. I need to avoid the French at all costs. I mean, that is generally a good idea. I mean, especially me. Yes. Final uh, Fantasy fourteen jokes. Ahoy. Wait, um, wait, but uh, yeah, that... as, a, as a question of your character, cast of characters here, how many of them are, like, going to be focused characters? All of them, in theory. Okay. Um, except for the bard. The bard is ever the focus character because if the bard became the focus character, it would like play their hand too much. Yeah. Um, which they are aware of. So they are aware that they can't do anything too flashy because then the narrative might start focusing on them. So mm. the bard stays in the background as much as possible. Um, which is another reason they don't just use their world singing ability to just solve issues. So follow-up question is, uh, have you given any thought yet to which of these characters will be like dynamic and which one's static? As in, who's already more or less at the point, like who starts more or less where they're going to end their story versus who's gonna, who has more like growth, like visible growth to do during the story? So all four of them are dynamic. Because uh, at the big meeting where the Civil War starts, where the four people are all set up to go where they're supposed to go, none of them do that. Mm. The captain ends up going with the ruby because someone in the ruby says that um, she can help him hunt down those slavers uh, and that they have to be brought to the correct kind of justice. Um, The priest ends up joining like... The Obsidian, which is, if you remember, the kind of like the hired killers. Mm-hmm. Um, so he never goes and uh, tempers the Pearl. Uh, the wizard, who is supposed to like revolutionize 
uh, different ways of magic, ends up joining the Mechanists um, for a reason I have not um, fully fleshed out. And the Mechanist ends up joining the Pearl because he ends up finding God and has, like, a religious revelation. So he joins. Oh, he, he becomes Christian Bale from Equilibrium. Yes. Yeah, kind of. Uh, God, yeah, he kind of does. Um, the idea of that character class is actually the um, Holy Gunslinger from Pathfinder, which is a paladin which uses guns. Uh, so by going down these different paths in life from what they were originally like destined to do, their who they become changes. Mm. Uh, it all works out in the end, more or less. They do stop the Pearl from duking the city, uh, but they are very different people than uh, the Bard had thought they were going to be. Because the Bard brings them in thinking that they're static and hoping they don't go dynamic. Yeah, I, I like this idea because it lets you do a fun, like, you know... Um... No fate, but we what we make for ourselves, sort of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So you can you can do a pretty fun like. You can add add some fun like um, conflict and antagonism from the like bar trying to manipulate things into the like predestined idea versus everyone doing the, what they do. Mm -hmm. I think I think that'll be a real that makes a really fun like, thematic, uh, conflict of sorts. I like that idea. Thank you. I, us um, I usually tend to have, like, because I mainly write um, love stories ultimately. Mm -hmm. I usually have one, like, one. the main couples usually have one dynamic, one static character, because uh, um, a, a recurring thing for me, because again, I write characters in pairs typically. Mm hmm. Uh, is that, you know, there's one who has more lessons to learn, the other one uh, has their, has different lessons, but that happened because of the other one's immaturity or, um, uh, like, um, immaturity or uh, lack of perspective, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I like being able to add that personal, like, you know, I won't say conflict because it's more of a, like a struggle for each individual character. But I, I write very, you know, character focused ultimately. So that and that works for my sort of stories, which again, being love stories, the character angle is kind of the most important one. Right. Uh, but to circle back about that scene I wrote, which I started talking about, I think, 15 minutes ago. Whoops. Um, so there is a scene where at the start, when it's still not clear who these characters are and how important they are in the world, um, the captain, they, they come across some sort of bandit lord on the surface um, who I'm thinking might be like... I, I don't want to go with, like, the classic goblin. What I want to go with is, like, a halfling or a hobbit or whatever who is just completely out of touch with the world and is like, hey, you know who are really cool? Orcs. I want to be like an orc. But the only exposure they have to orcs are, like, shitty books written decades ago. So they're like, oh, orcs have pointed teeth. I want pointed teeth. So this bandit lord starts stealing people's teeth and putting them in his mouth and just has a habit whenever one of his new teeth gets damaged to just yanking it out and putting someone else's tooth in there because this hobbit is fucking unhinged. Like, he is a bad person. Uh, so there is a scene where this guy has several hostages in the, uh, from a local village, and the captain steps forward and gives, like, a speech about 
kind of how so the crux of the speech is everyone thinks I'm really mean and really dour and like a sour puss. But A, that's because I never smile, and the reason I never smile is I have nerve damage. So if I do smile, it looks like a sneer, and people think I'm being insincere, so I just can't smile. And B, I'm actually really fucking kind. The issue with being kind is, the only real way you can be kind is if you kill bullies. So here, let me show you how kind I am. And then the captain kills the fuck out of all of the bandits there. Because the captain's really fucking good at killing people. He's called the captain, I I realize. He's called the captain because he's the captain of the... um, He's acting as the captain of the caravan guards. Um, This is not the same caravan that enslaved him. It's... uh, He wants to get to the city... How do I get to the city? This caravan's going to the city. Okay, I'll join up with this caravan. Oh, I guess I'm the best fighter here, and I have a military history, so they're making me captain. Okay, sure. It pays better. This shouldn't be too hard. I mean, how many, how much trouble could a caravan like this get into? The first quarter of the book. Yeah, like the first the first chunk of the book is this caravan has the worst possible luck. I can't imagine why. Mm. And so the the basic plot uh outline is we cycle through a couple through the four characters um perspectives as the caravan travels to the city. They get to the city and they kind of experience the city. We're introduced to the major players and the different factions. Uh, the inciting incident happens. The king is assassinated and no one knows how or why. And then during a big uh, convocation of like all of the towns, like all the heads of the guilds and the representatives of the people, uh, during that meeting... The representatives of the people get assassinated um, simultaneously to the sound of a gunshot and to some uh, the sound of a spell being cast. So, no, so no one knows what exactly killed them. Still, which causes everyone there to start fighting. Um, the head of the Emerald Cain ends up dying, which is really bad because a lot of people really liked Cain. Because Kane was just a super chill dude. Um, and some other of the uh, Order's main members get injured. Uh, basically, the only group that gets out who gets out unscathed is the Pearl. So they're the reason... That's the reason they're able to, like, become the major threat. Uh, it's because they're, they're the ones who have the most intact command structure. Um, the Emerald Guard pulls back, uh, into the palace and kills anyone who approaches because they're being manipulated by the Jester, who is the mastermind behind everything. Uh, and then with the four main characters splitting off into the different factions, we will rotate between them as we kind of learn the different factions, what the different factions are up to. And kind of how everything is starting to go to shit. Uh, And then when the Pearl starts to unleash its big weapon, the four main characters end up stumbling together and kind of reuniting and realigning themselves so that they can stop the Pearl and then go and stop the Jester is the idea. If you wanted to, you could make it so that each individual faction story ends up with one of the main characters inadvertently playing into the Pearl's plan. Like so I... They, like, maybe they all end up like unknowingly bringing in a necessary piece of the puzzle for making the super weapon or something. So, 
how how the super weapon works. Um, I guess this would be a good time to talk about it. So the super weapon works is that the pearl, throughout all of this, has been acting as a neutral ground where you know if you you can bring the injured to the pearl and the pearl will heal them and take care of them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so at the start, cool, they're doing good work. They're staying neutral. Everything looks great. Um, as time goes on, it becomes more and more clear that something's up because the injured who were brought to the pearl are never allowed to leave. That's weird. Uh, and so it becomes clear that the Pearl is using anyone they consider to be unclean. They are harvesting their souls to power a soul cannon. Ah, classic. And as they are harvesting the souls, the area... So at first they have to be, like, sacrificed next to the relic that will do this. But as it gets more powerful, the range in which you have to be to the cannon is getting bigger. Which causes more souls to be collected, which increases the range of the collection. So it is in the Pearl's best interest to keep the war going so that suddenly they don't need to sacrifice anybody anymore. Now, whenever someone dies, their soul gets shoved into the soul gun. And so by continuing the war, the characters are now supplying their enemy with what the enemy is going to use to kill them. So How very rude. Hmm? How very rude. Mm-hmm. Uh... Which is why the priest was originally supposed to go to the Pearl, because the priest, having such a close connection to God, to a god, would be able to be like, hey, yo, fucking stop this, uh, and prevent it from, like, being created, and would have actually kept the, kept them as actual, like, neutral party who's healing people, but whoops, he had to go off and become, like, a very scary assassin. Whoops. Never would have thought the gangly guy would be so good with a knife. <laughs> um, that's also something that happens um, in the big complicade where shit goes down. Is The obsidian is kept in check by some handler folk who basically stop them from getting off the chain and just becoming serial killers. Um, but all of them end up getting killed in the big hullabaloo. So are the Obsidians assassins, like, <clears throat> are they, like, professionals, or are they, like, Anderson from Helsing, where as soon as he's off the leash, it's, like, it's go time, that's not stopping? Anderson, yeah, they're Anderson, they're not professionals. Right. Um, they're, they're led by professionals. Uh, but most of the Obsidian are made up of, like, the worst zealots? of the worst. Yeah, like, no, some zealots, some people who just really fucking love killing people. Like, the worst of the worst kind. But they're kept in check by, I guess, magical callers, I guess? Yeah. Um, that's also something I haven't quite figured out, but I am currently leaning towards, um... If you're familiar with 40k, uh, the the collars that the penal battalions have to wear, where if the commissar decides they're uh, that they're going traitorous, they can push a button and then their head explodes. I don't know 40k, but I know this uh, plot device from great many things. Yeah, it's a classic. It is for good reason. It's a very good motivator. <laughs> It's like if, if you have if someone has a gun to your head at all times, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and so during the big uh, hullabaloo, which is what I will be referring to it from this point on, I think, because that is a funny word. The incident. Um, the incident. The hullabaloo incident. <laughs> the great hullabaloo. Incubaloo. No, that sounds. That sounds like an incel convention. Kind of does. <laughs> uh, 
So d during that, uh, because the handlers are dead, the Obsidian are able to get the devices. So now they're kind of just doing, going off and doing whatever. And there's a lot of infighting over who has control of the callers. So a lot of the Obsidian are just killing each other. And when they're not killing each other, they're committing atrocious acts and committing raids. Uh, and the priest is very quickly becoming a... is making a new connection to a new god who is... whose stance on stuff is very Lamau. I am very bored, kill people in very entertaining ways. Lol. Obviously not actually like that, but you get the idea. Yeah. Like a... Like a war god of antiquity sort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like Ares in that, like, I don't really care about goals so much as a good bloody battle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that answered I can't remember what your question is, but I think it answers it. Yeah, they, that answered the one about, like, I had about the obsidian, at least. Okay. Uh, another, um... Thing that I'm not sure how I would integrate so well into uh, the campaign that definitely exists in the book is that there. It, I've talked about the architect. I think I've talked about the architect and his um, faction. I think you. I think you did, but refresh me. Uh, so there's the guy who built the flying city, and he's the one who maintains like everything under the, like, in the floating island in the actual crust of it. And he has a bunch of children who were um, experimented, experimented on by the wizards, who created, uh, who were just kind of rejected. And so he took them in, and he raises them, and they work as his uh, eyes and ears. Uh, it's a very, they're very secretive, they don't interact with people very much um but because their you know their dad is the the guy who built the island and is this master craftsman who makes such magical powerful shit uh during the war they are extremely dangerous because they have the best stuff that's mm. a cut above everything else because in a world where magic is not terribly common, these fuckers are walking around in, like, plus four plate mail made out of mithril to put it back in the Pathfinder uh, setting, kind of. So they're, they're oh. very dangerous. They would work... Um, they are how the main four would get into the palace, is through working with him. He would let them into the palace and help them hold off the Diamond Guard while they go take care of the Jester. Right. Um, and then also, if you were wondering, yes, this is the same architect from your Pathfinder campaign. Mm. I, I was thinking it. Uh, anyways, so that's them. Um, do you have any other questions about the setting I can talk about? Um, so I, <clears throat> I'm a little curious about the, like, some of the social mobility aspects of this setting, right? Like, like there is presumably your usual, like, you know, education, commerce, profession stuff, and then you somehow get sidle. Like, how do you end up going from like, like, what's the like, um, the recruitment process, quote unquote, for each of these factions? Is what something I'm curious about because, uh. It's one of those like people circulating uh, things that I wonder about. He needs her scritches. Um, so it's a lot like kind of choosing a profession where uh, in, in the city everyone worships the god king or the god king's descendant. So a lot of the people who have really religious um, inclinations would go to the clergy. Well, <laughs> In Elysium, the clergy is the Pearl, so people end up trying to join the Pearl, 
they come with acolytes, they go through your general um, training and stuff like that to decide if this is really for them. If it is, they join. If it's not, then they go off and they find another job because there's no shortage of need for able-bodied workers or just people to work in a library or people to help out in one way or another. And then the the Emerald, they work as a lot of scouts. So if you're if you just kind of want to go and hang out in the wilderness, they've got a place for you. If you want to become a cop, you join the Ruby. Uh, you don't really have a choice joining the Obsidian. They just kind of choose you. Um, I haven't really figured out how, like, the carcinogenial system would work. Not carcinogenial. Carcereal. Thank you. Because that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, one of the, like, what's the, like, judicial and and punitive system that, like, somehow the, like, dangerous fanatics get siphoned into the obsidian. Somehow you have, like, you know, the whole... Um, like allocation, delegation of duty going on. Like, because these are all like, you know, by design, pretty separate. These like groups because they're their own cliques, right? Mm-hmm. There's gotta but like, I, I I just wonder about the like, you know, who what who and what works like between the cliques, right? everyone's gonna pretend to be you know everyone at least pretends to be you know on the same team for now mm-hmm. so who so i guess that would be just like a, i guess that would be like the errand runners of like diamond guard or something who like run between these you know like the newest recruits are there to deliver messages or something i don't know mm-hmm. it's a vibe i'm getting because i'm like trying to paint this picture in my mind of this society that's what i'm doing here Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So to 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 join the Wizards College, it's you go through your education that they provide, and then they choose if you show to be especially magic, magically talented or especially intelligent. Um, you can apply to them, get through the written test, et cetera, et cetera, and join the college. Um. The mechanist is just basically, do you like making shit? Or did you create your masterpiece so that you can join, so you can become a master of your craft? Then you're kind of already there. Um, If you like going out into the world and like exploring and shit, then the Emerald will be more than happy to let you join. If you like According to the Ruby, if you like protecting your neighbors and uh, making sure that everyone is safe, then you can join up with them. If you felt the touch of God, you can join the Pearl. And then there's also... Not everyone joins the Four Orders and Two Guilds. There's plenty of people who are just tailors or farmers or whatever. Um, but these groups are places that people, that a certain class of people want to join. Like, uh, some people want to enter academia for some fucking reason. Or some people want to be on the cutting edge and, like, invent shit and discover shit. Or some people like being out in the woods and just helping other people out. Or... That kind of stuff. I guess you could like think of the fringe benefits that could come with each of these, right? It's like maybe someone joins because, like, you know, like hard times exist in every society, no matter how utopia, how close to a utopia it might be, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe someone joins a like the ruby because, you know. That means that I have, through that status, I have better access to, like, you know, safety net uh, workings for my family or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
the the rupee has a barracks, so you're guaranteed a place to sleep and three square meals. And like, uh, if if you're part of the four orders or two guilds, that's a lot of status. And people, not yeah, I don't know, I don't know how to describe this, but there are some social benefits to joining these groups, but. I guess. Like I, I think it's something to like consider like including it or thinking of is like some sort of like benefits to besides status because right like um because um, certain like aspects of the human experience show up in no matter what context, right? Mm-hmm. So even like the you know dissatisfaction with your your situation or thinking that the grass is greener or um i got dealt a bad and a hard hand and i need to like do and do something to offset it mm-hmm. so having something like that that like drive will drive up the like recruitment rate quote unquote like will be a like um a good is something I would include at least. Yeah, it's like I like the I like especially for the like premise of a story. I like the idea of a. I like for this sort of setting idea. I like the idea of um. <clears throat> there's there's a utopia utopia to be had here, but we're not quite there because certain old ideas haven't been haven't been rooted out. You know. Mm-hmm. So like some like it doesn't like of course it doesn't not saying like you know oh yeah include contemporary times real life problems but you know something similar or something stemming from those because that helps like I feel that helps like give a sort of emotional grounding in a way because you because that help like that gives something for your empathy to like latch on to and it helps I feel that it helps sort of thing helps grounding you in the world a little because you can like see your own troubles to some degree, even if it's different, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, little I touches. Yeah. I, as I've said before, this is still in development. I still need to work through a lot of this stuff. I have a couple scenes stuck in my head. Um, the main two, which... Well, actually, there's three that are really formed. The first is the one I already described. The second is when shit goes down at the hullabaloo and uh, everyone ends up going the wrong way and the bard is sitting there like completely flabbergasted and horrified that all their plans are come to naught and then the priest ends up killing them because the priest has figured out that they're a world singer. Mm. And then um, at the finale where the Pearl have like are fully preparing to wipe everyone out. And so everyone is trying to get to the Pearl to stop them. And there's a big fight going on. Uh, The captain ends up meeting the person from the Emerald they were supposed to meet in the first place. And they realize, like, oh, they're from the same tribe, but from different groups from this like they're from the same tribe but from different generations because the captain is fairly old mm. like i mean fairly old i mean like in their 40s All right um so this other person they're meeting is a trans girl so when the captain knew them they didn't go by that name they were a child and they looked different and mm. so upon realizing what's happening, they, you know, shake the hand to resurrect the god, and then the god descends and helps everyone, like, get to the pearl, which that needs a lot of polishing. I do like all these scene ideas. Scene! Sorry. I'm sorry, my peek behind the curtain, I donated blood again yesterday, and... My body is finding new and exciting ways to break when I donate blood. Um, so my my left arm is a giant bruise, which made it very hard to sleep last night. 
So I'm a little out of it. But uh, those are the three major scenes I have in my mind, which I need to connect to everything else. I think they're very good scenes. I think this has a whole lot of promise. Thank you. Now I just need to find the time, energy, and motivation to start writing the book. (laughs) And not start three other books in the the meantime. Let me tell you... Let me tell you about my idea for uh, uh, for an FPS space of Planet Side Two, but with a campaign. Or my other idea for a game that takes place. Uh, the entire concept of the game is one group is trying to rob a train, and the other troop group is trying to stop them from robbing the train. Or my other dozen story ideas. Yeah, it'd be like that. <laughs> it do be like. Anyways, um, this has gone on for a while, so let's stop it here. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, you had a marathon stream coming up, right? Damn it, yes. I always, God, people always plug the thing I'm about to plug. Yeah, so day after this comes out, I'm doing a marathon stream for Bound Hope. I'm going to be playing Pokemon Infinite Fusions um, with a couple rules. To keep the pace moving, I'm going to be going with the classic Nuzlocke rule of going to only catch the first Pokemon I find on each route. Um, but I'm not going to do the if it dies, or if it faints, is dead. Um, I always have to use custom sprites when uh, at all possible. Um, everything's going to be randomized uh, for full hilarity. Wait, let me. Look. I think there's another. There's another thing oh yes and then after uh after every gym battle i have to wonder trade away one of the pokemon i used in that gym battle and it has to be one i actually used i can't just send out a dud and then be like hope i used it in the battle um because in infinite fusions whenever you beat a gym leader you get a premium wonder trade ticket which is you send away one of your pokemon and you're guaranteed um a random fused Pokemon that has uh, a custom sprite. Cool. Yeah. And I will be able to unfuse and refuse. It's. It, I'm sure if people don't know what Pokemon Infinite Fusions is, I'm sure this is extremely confusing. But believe me, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. You'll want to be there. Raising money for a very good cause. And I hope you're going to be there. That was also my plug. So I think that's it for tonight today whenever you're i think morning i usually i mean i i post these at 4 44 a.m where i am so i guess in theory you could be listening to this in the morning who knows i hope to see you there i guess good goodbye once i figure out how the there it is bye <laughs> bye